All right, sports fans, welcome back to another episode of Books and the Biz. I'm Rich Veltri, and I am here with my good friend, Dan Paulson. Hey, Dan, how are you doing? Hey, Rich, I am doing wonderfully. That is an excellent announcement, by the way. <laughs> I try every once in a while. Like I said, the accountant, you got to liven them up somewhere. In That's this, right. In we this thing. So, um, so anyway, I, I really wanted to talk to you today because I have a couple examples that are, they're kind of eating at me and they come from the merger and acquisition world. So that gives me a little bit of, um, a little bit of spark, a little bit of pep in my step. And then I run into these two cases and I go, wow, <laughs> you know, mergers and acquisitions should be exciting and a lot of stuff going on. And I think what I ran into is a little bit of what I'll call the aftermath. And um, and I'm trying to get my head around it, and I could really use an operational perspective when I throw this out there. Um, so I hope you're ready for me today. <laughs> I, I am ready, willing, and able, because we did kind of touch on this a little bit beforehand. Yeah. Uh, but tell the audience, what, right. what exciting things are we going to talk about with finance today? So I am a big proponent of watching the merger and acquisition market, especially the small and middle market you know, kind of companies that are going through transactions. And one of the things that I love to see is when there's an entrepreneurial kind of spirit going into taking over a company that, you know, might be a little older, might need some, you know, freshening up, but it's been around forever, has a good reputation and, you know, maybe owned by a baby boomer, right? Because we said in one of our past uh, episodes that, you know, I think there's like 10 million U.S. businesses that are you know, coming up to the point where it's owned by a baby boomer who probably wants to talk about retirement. That is um, correct. So I see a bunch of these transactions happening where company comes in, got younger guy, wants to get an SBA loan or, you know, some other type of financing, wants to buy a business and go into entrepreneurship. Well, there's this little concept that I think some of these entrepreneurs are missing. And, <laughs> and maybe some business now. owners, too. <laughs> well, yeah, I think I think you're 100% right on that one. Um, I'm looking at it solely from the transactional standpoint, but you're right. The business itself is needs to understand the concept, which is the concept of networking capital. Okay, that I believe if you go into a finance book and you look up what is networking capital, it's going to tell you it's your current assets minus your current liabilities. Actually, Simple I have a website here. Do you? I do. All right. Pull it up. In All fact, right. I think if you look right at key takeaways there, because <laughs> this article is based on what does low working capital say about your company's financial prospects, right there. There you have it. Working capital, <laughs> the difference between current assets and current liabilities on a balance sheet. Yep. And if you dig a tiny bit deeper, which probably isn't in there, but if you're analyzing working capital, what you're trying to figure out is can the business cover its bills with what it has coming in? So if you think about it, you have cash and current assets would be cash, accounts receivable. So accounts receivable, you're collecting. So you're expecting that can you cover your liabilities that are going to come up in the next 12 months with the assets you have that you'll collect in the next 12 months. So if that number is negative, 
what that's telling people is your business isn't doing too well. Exactly. Because you're going to hit a problem in the next 12 months. So when you're doing an acquisition and you're going to go buy a company, I've seen some of these, you know, very enthusiastic buyers come in and say, I love the company. I'm just going to buy it. Don't worry about networking capital. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty ballsy. You know, what's going to happen is the seller looks at it a little bit differently. The seller looks at it as there's cash in that bank account. That's money that I've earned. It's mine. Mm -hmm. Okay. So he's not really thinking about the definition of current, current assets minus current liabilities to come up with networking capital. He's thinking that cash is mine. Or the receivables were already billed. So when you collect those, that's mine. Because it's jobs that we already did. Exactly. To a certain extent, he's correct. Except but. the part that he forgets <laughs> is the liability side, right? That whole liability thing. I have actually had similar discussions uh, with people I've worked with that have either been buying businesses or selling businesses. Uh, you know, another side of that whole working capital thing that some young or inexperienced sellers might not realize is that they also have to include what they're buying the business for. Because I tell them, you want the business to be self-sustaining. You don't want to sit here and buy something, then all right out of the gate, you got to start pumping money into it to cover the loan. Because you talked mm -hmm. about it, SBA loan or some other financing is usually going to be what it's going to take to, to get this buyout to go through. And if there's no working capital in the business and there's nothing to pay the loan and pay the bills, you now have doubled down on what your risk is going to be making this, this whole deal work. Right. Totally agree with that because, you know, I have two examples right now, literally, where they're hitting, I'll call it the skids. <laughs> <laughs> they, they didn't pay attention to networking capital when they came in. So they made their offer and, and offers all good. They did the whole analysis, EBITDA times a multiple, what's the proper multiple, negotiated it out the right way. But at the end of the day, they allowed the seller to say, okay, well, I'll keep the cash and the, the receivables. And while your point about the loan is absolutely 100% accurate, the thing that comes faster is you took over a business that if it had employees, they're going to want to get paid. Paid, yes. <laughs> so there has to be enough money in the bank to get you to the point where money is flowing from what you actually own, right? Yes. And be able to pay the employees for the fact that they did work already that earned you something. So there's that, when does the cash flow actually start? And what do we have to leave in the business? Literally two companies that I'm looking to kind of try to help doing the exact same thing, where they did not consider networking capital. They do not have enough money in the bank. One of them, acquisition cost was actually so high because they used legal uh, professionals and everybody to do all that work. They didn't have enough money come out of the deal to cover those costs and the other one just didn't predict that the cash flow was going to be slow enough that they would not have enough to hit that you know uh payroll probably in the second or third week so cash is short and now they're scrambling because it wasn't in their plan they didn't have a plan that seems to be the common factor here i mean i i personally don't get it i, I mean you're making a very big investment 
and you're just assuming it's like turning on a light switch. You, you go in, you buy the business, you take over, and immediately is kicking back money. And if you haven't done the, the research, you haven't done the due diligence, you're going to find out the hard way that that is probably not going to work that well. Right. Yeah. And the only way that you can protect yourself, now I'm getting really technical on what I'm about <laughs> to say. I had to think about it for a second. Um, it gets really technical, but if you had really, really, really good margins and very low expenses, then you probably can go longer without worrying as much. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're, and those businesses are few and far between. Very few and very far between. Mm-hmm. Most businesses are probably operating on margins of five to 10%. Yeah. I had one that was operating at 50%. And it was unbelievable to see that everybody couldn't believe it. They thought that the reports were wrong. They thought somebody made a mistake, but the margins actually were at 50%. So there was so much money being you know, put through the business that their cash flow projections didn't actually matter as much. And I hate saying that because it's so important, mm-hmm. but you know, if you have those kind of margins, you know, there's less, um, there's less of an, of a margin of error. There's, you have a big cushion. Yes. So you can get away a little longer. The funny part was I was with them for almost a year. And by the end, they started saying, you know, this is such a great deal. We're going to put in all kinds of, you know, additional facilities. So their CapEx went up. So they started putting a lot of capital out into doing more projects. All of a sudden, they wished they had that projection really, really fine tuned Mm -hmm. because they said, how are we going to pay for all that construction? (laughs) So, you know, so that's one of the few and far between that has that ability to, you know, be cushioned enough that they can not really worry about it as much. But, you know, eventually all businesses really have to have some degree of a plan in front of them that they can monitor and, and, and work themselves against. Yeah, it's that's the trick. Um, you know, any plan you create is speculation, and the only advantage you have with buying a company is some of that speculation can be mitigated because they have past sales, they have there's systems and processes in place, hopefully documented, and hopefully that after the sale, there's still going to be people there who understand what's going on. But you still have to look at all that stuff and say, what's going to be our next step? How are we going to move forward? Uh, and, and how much money are we going to need? That's yeah. that's the big question that even I on the operations side go, you know, as you point out, Rich, there's still employees that want to get paid. I have yet to find an employee that's willing to say, nah, I'll forego a check for the next two to three months while you guys figure this stuff out and just pay me when you can type thing. Don't see that too often. Uh but you really got to understand what's the length of, of time that you're going to need to kind of float the boat, if you will. And, and that's where that capital comes in really handy. Uh, I don't know about you, but I look for typically a minimum of, of three to four months, ideally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm sure there's standards out there, but, you know, if you can get up to six months, that's beautiful. But that's kind of rare, again, with some of the margins that we're talking about. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, I'm not, I'm not really thinking of a good standard right now. I would probably say now I would be looking for longer because things are kind of 
um, I'll, I'll call them questionable out there, right? Mm -hmm. We, you know, we talk about the R word, the recession word. You know, is are we in one? Are we getting one? Is it going to affect me? How about Everybody's the I word, different. the inflation word, and the inflation the fact word that as well. Money is more expensive to buy now. Yeah, or or add another I word, the interest rate. Yes. <laughs> right? So you have those pieces that you're trying to figure out. Um, so I would say you probably want to, you know, look at what the standard was and maybe make it a little longer, um, being the conservative guy that I am. <laughs> um, but I would also tell you that, you know, I'm thinking of this mostly, I started off talking about it mostly on the, um, on the premise of a, of a transaction where you're going to buy or sell a company, but you know, networking capital is a key factor in any kind of bank loan. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one of those things the bank wants to know that your networking capital is running a certain way. So if you're looking at your own company, I would probably look back and say, calculate my networking capital over a trailing 12 month period. What has the business shown me that it needs? Because your networking capital might actually be dropping because if those bank loans are based on flexible interest rates, they're going up. Yes. So your, you know, so your NWC, your networking capital is going potentially down. Um, and then, you know, you really want to look at your business that way. And then I would tell you, if you're doing an acquisition, looking at a target, I would do the same thing. Watch the trailing 12 month period, figure out your networking capital and figure out if you've got enough cash to be able to keep operating the way you are, or if you're going to have a point where you can see that there's a, a need for you to make a change. That's a good point. And I really agree with you that you need to keep that, that networking capital in front of you at all times. I mm -hmm. think the only time people actually pull that out of their pocket is, you know, every couple of years, the bank calls you up and says, Hey, we need your last year's financials, or we need your last couple of years financials. And, that's typically the only time most people worry about it. I don't know of too many companies or too many business owners that keep a close eye on that networking capital throughout mm -hmm. the course of a year. Yeah. It, it, and to add to that, it, it almost seems like still, you know, I ask for financials and somebody hands me a P&L or a forward looking forecast or budget. And I'm like, where's the rest of them? You know? <laughs> Balance sheet and cash flow are important financial statements that people really should be looking at at the minimum. So if you're looking solely at your profit and loss statement, that doesn't translate to do I have enough cash? That only tells you you're still busy. Right. So, um, you know, these are the things I think, you know, KPIs, which are key performance indicators. Um, you know, networking capital is one of them, depending on your industry, you probably have a few others, but you know, they are not ones that you just calculate now. And then six months from now, you say, well, maybe I'll calculate it again. You know, you really want to look at it on a trend you want to, because some of them will change and they'll give you a, you know, a stark warning that something's going on and you want to be able to use those to make decisions for your, you know, for the company. So is there kind of a quick checklist that we can tell people that they should be looking at or, or what they should be doing. Cause again, I'm, I might be making some assumptions here, but I'm willing to bet that there's a lot of business owners, especially in some small to medium sized companies that typically don't take a close look at this. I, I can guarantee it. Um, vast, 
majority of people that I've talked to, you know, when I talk to an owner of a business, they can tell me their sales number. They can tell me their receivables are under control. They can tell me their cash number. Um, but there's other things that would tell you whether or not there's a way to predict that something's not going the way you think it is. Two second story before we get too far off the tangent, but I had 2007, we know that the banking crisis started and I had a client that was holding on to inventory mm. and everything was totally normal. Nobody knew anything was, was going on. And then all of a sudden we did our monthly report and in the monthly report, we did a KPI for them, which was actually called DIO, Days Inventory on Hand. Mm -hmm. And when we did that, we realized, wait a minute, that number's higher than it should be. And then we went back and double checked the numbers from previous reports and we realized it was climbing. The reason it was climbing was because in the banking crisis, all of the bigger companies that we sold chemicals to, to for their manufacturing process, they had readjusted all of their orders because they had realized that they were going to have a decrease in what they could sell. Surprise. So our DIO was climbing and we had to say, well, wait a minute, guys, we have almost a year's worth of inventory and we have orders coming in. So we are still going to be heading up towards that, you know, one, one and a half years worth of inventory on hand. And the company, the chemicals have a shelf life. So you can only sell them up to a certain point. We couldn't take any more of our own orders. We had to make our own adjustment. Had we not looked at that DIO, we may not have had that conversation until we were above and had to actually destroy some inventory because we wouldn't be able to sell it. You also pointed out a good problem or a good uh, example there, though, at least from the operations side. Um, it shouldn't have just fallen on you at that point. There should have been somebody else in the company that should have seen that these orders were coming in or slowing down and there should have been an alert put out. And, and that's right. the example of where from an operation side, you need systems and process and you also need to teach your people to think big picture because right. a lot of people just look at what's in front of them and they don't analyze what they're doing. They just, you know, push through the widgets. And here's mm -hmm. a perfect example of where this could have probably been alerted to you maybe two or three months earlier that there was right. a, change happening yep uh yeah absolutely and i think it, it highlights also you know if you're working in a team setting nobody brought this up until it came down to you know one person on the final report that was going to the parent company that's when we saw the dio <laughs> so you know the person doing the purchasing i think probably should have seen that you know and it should have been something that in a team meeting or a team setting there would have been hey you know, I'm noticing something's going on. What do you guys think? You know, should have happened. Didn't. Didn't. But that's that's why we can talk about it today, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a similar situation with a client of mine that um, there was actually, in this case, an error in their software that was kicking back essentially refunds to customers. And they weren't aware of it until it had snowballed enough to where their cash flow was pretty much nil. Um, and they're still working on recovering from that. And then on top of it, trying to go back to the software company and get them to own up to the mistake that happened because it turns out it was a, a software glitch. And of course the company goes, well, it's not our problem. That's your problem. So these are all the fun games you get to play when you're not watching that cash flow and keeping a close eye on it. And ultimately, at least in my books, there should be cash reserves. And mm -hmm. you should be building those and keeping those at all times. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and I think the level of cash reserve brings us full circle back to what is your networking capital because you want to be able to keep that as your cash reserve at minimum. Exactly. <laughs> yep. So, um, so yeah, I think this highlights the fact, Dan, that we need to kind of tell people, look, if you are thinking that you're not getting enough information and you um, need some help figuring out what it is you should be looking at, you should probably give us a call. Well, definitely should, because this is not something your accountant's typically going to point out for you. And that's what people don't realize. There's tax accounting, there's bookkeeping, there's your general accounting where they they produce the reports for you each month. But typically, they're not doing the analysis. They're really not looking in depth at what's happening in your company. They might look at a few key numbers and just say, hey, this looks good or that looks good. But I haven't really found any accountants that go out there and dig into the numbers deeply on your behalf because typically they don't take the time to understand them. They just look and see what they got and that's what they kick out. Yep. And I think that, um, you know, these KPIs, they definitely are not calculating KPIs. You know, it's not, definitely no, it's not a, it's not a standard (laughs) and they basically expect that the people internal to the company are going to be doing that and not external. Um, X plus external is usually after the fact. You know, they come in a month after the month's over or a month after the year's over, and that's when they do their reporting. So I think there's a point where you may feel that you need to talk to somebody um, and, you know, take a look at, are you analyzing your financials, right? And, you know, are you getting your financials? (laughs) (laughs) And now is the best time to do it, because at the time of this recording, we are into the fall season. Yep. And... You're getting ready for next year. If you are doing strategic planning, you're starting to look at some of these numbers. Yep. Make sure the numbers you're looking at are telling you the full story because what we find is they're not in most cases or you're not looking at the right numbers to tell you the right story. Right. This is where it becomes so critical. Absolutely. So, Dan, if they want to talk to us and see if we can help them out in understanding exactly what they should be looking at, how do they get a hold of you? Well, they can get a hold of me at danpaulsonletsgo.com. That's the easiest way to do it um, because my email address is way too long. So it's better to just fill out the form and, and reach out to me that way. Uh, Rich, how about you? Uh, you can reach me by email at rveltry at veltrygroup.com. See, I need a shorter way. email address like that. That That's just so much better. <laughs> <laughs> And if you want to catch other episodes here, uh, we have, uh, I think we're over 20 episodes now. Can you believe that, Rich? We've been doing these weekly for the last 20 weeks. Crazy. Uh, But this is, uh, you know, this is uh, something that we've enjoyed working on and I think is helpful. But you can go to Books and Biz, B-O-O-K-S, the letter N, B-I-Z dot com. And you'll get to see all the past episodes we've done. And we're getting... Shorter, more efficient. We're, we're really kind of hitting our stride on some of these topics here. So we'd love to hear from you. Uh, please like, sh- subscribe, and share. Uh, by all means, share. We love it when people share our, our topics here because we do believe they are helpful to, to a lot of business owners out there. But uh, Rich, anything else you got to add as a last takeaway? Nope. nope. I, think that's, uh, I think that's it for me today. All right. Get your book straight. That's that's the bottom line here. So we will see you next week, Rich. All right. Take care. All right.